and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. Before I get into introducing my guest this week, I just want to remind you all that Discover Your Creative Soul, a six-week journey to uncover your next creative idea, my new workshop is now open for enrollment, and if you sign up before tomorrow, Friday, March 26th, you get $50 off of the course. Um, It's all about diving into the creative process, developing rituals and routines for your creative soul and creating what only you can create. And so this is the project that I've been working on for the past couple months, and I'm super excited to be sharing it with you. We start officially on April 6th. So if you've been desiring some creative community and accountability and a space to explore the creative process and go through each step together, definitely check out that workshop. You can check it out and sign up at www.leahvandorn.com and check out my new website while you're at it. I'm very excited about that and just to curate and be with this group for the next six weeks. So definitely check that out. And I'd love to introduce my guest to you this week, Jessica Suarez. Jessica is an empowerment and self-sovereignty coach specializing in helping women overcome the fear of success and learn how to use their emotions to build a life by design rather than default. She is all about the doing and works to get people from the awareness stage into aligned action. She is also an actor and writer and is wildly passionate about bringing original stories to the big screen. Dance floors are her church. She loves ice cream and she hates mushrooms except the magic kind. I loved this conversation with Jessica because first of all, she's just so real and just so honest and really is all about stripping away those masks and those layers that we put on and just getting to the truth of who you truly are as a human. And I appreciate that so much about her. And in this conversation, we go into the fear of success and what self-sabotage might look like. And also the parallels between acting and coaching. We talk a bit about how to cultivate your creative toolkit, which is something that I'm very passionate about and something that we definitely go into in Discover Your Creative Soul, my new workshop. So definitely get a taste of that by listening to this episode. We also talk about her tarot practice and how she uses it for her creative process, which totally blew my mind. I've never thought about doing anything like that before. And so she introduces to me a new tool for my toolkit, which maybe you will find in your new toolkit. And then we also talk about becoming a clear channel and creating for the collective. And this is just a beautiful conversation with Jessica. I find her so inspiring. Everything she shares online and I mentioned her newsletter at the end of the episode, but I definitely think her newsletter is something worth signing up for. So we'll put all of her links in the show notes, but without further ado, let's welcome Jessica to the Creative Soul Podcast. So the first question I ask everyone is, what is currently fueling your creative soul? Hmm. Okay. This is, this is so funny. What is currently fueling my creative soul? Gosh, I feel like 
little bits of, of everything, really getting to know home, you know, quote unquote, really getting to know Cape Verde and, and which is where I've currently been for just over a year. And I did not know this intimately prior to this year has really been a lot of like material for my current creative inquiries, just like different cultural aspects and the landscape, the people, all of that kind of stuff, the, tra the tradition and investigating that has sort of been my latest, yeah, I would say area of inquiry. Mm, yeah, you're someone who inspires me because I know we connect on like solo female travel and just traveling as kind of a creative act. So would you talk a little bit about like how does traveling spark your creativity for you? And it must be so different being home and like after you've lived in New York City for the past like eight years, I think. So what yeah, is it like yeah. being back home and like relearning things? Yeah, so I'm not actually back. I've never lived here, right? I've never actually spent really more than like two months in the summer, an extended amount of time here because I was born in Portugal. I grew up in Ethiopia, a little bit of Portugal. Then I went to New York. So I've never actually lived in any of my passport countries, any of my home countries. Yeah, so that in itself, the idea of coming home to a place that yes, has always been home, has always worn that label home. And yes, in some parts of my heart sits as home, but I don't necessarily have those like memories and that anchor and that like community that makes it home has been very interesting and making it home now. Like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? So in a way I'm, I'm kind of like exploring, I'm traveling around these islands, getting to know them for the very first time, even though I'm, you know, they're in my blood, they're in my body, they're my history. That's been exciting. It's been a gift. I think many of us, especially people with the propensity to travel like me and you, very often we can skip out on getting to know our own backyards, like our, the places closest to us geographically and, and emotionally. And we're like, no, I'm gonna go to this like far distant land. And that's where I'm gonna learn all about myself. And <laughs> sometimes it's like, oh wait, it's just like a 30 minute trip away or something mm -hmm. like that. That being said, travel as a creative, oh my God, travel is, I think, I always hesitate to say like my, biggest, but I think it is my, my greatest love, my greatest passion, my greatest teacher and companion and just like favorite fucking thing to do. Can I curse on this podcast? Absolutely, please. <laughs> my favorite fucking thing to do. And it's the act that in doing connects me most closely with myself, with like who I am most intimately with myself. And it's so... God, it's just like such an inherently freeing experience, right? Like you're going somewhere where no one knows you, no one has any expectations of you. You have no projections onto others of their expectations of you. There's a liberation in that. And in that space of that liberation, there's so much like magic and juice and creativity that like flows through. And I think that's sort of like the high I'm addicted to with travel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I'm curious if there are other passions or creative outlets that you do that inspire your creativity and your creative process. Yes, a thousand. I am a manifesting generator <laughs> in human design. I have a million passions. Travel is definitely a big one. Acting, writing, 
meditation, dance, movement. Oh my gosh, movement might be my, my, my quickest go-to tool, right? I'm feeling stuck. Press play on a Spotify playlist and I'm like in church, you know, mm-hmm. getting a healing. Storytelling in general, like listening to other people's stories and telling stories and that communal act of storytelling, I think is something that I'm very drawn to and, and community, you know, like whatever that looks like, just like a circle, a community, that sense of something we're shared, we share something, we're connected by something intangible, something greater than us, I think also really, really feels my creativity and yeah. Yeah. Everything you said, especially like dance and you know the the act of creating is kind of an act of prayer and like the more we ritualize it and can connect to that like sacred act of being in prayer I just I am super lit up by that can you give us a little bit of your background on who you are what you do you know I love hearing about your passions how would you identify or how do you express yourself as an artist Woo, big questions. I love that who you are question, right? Like we all just like throw it around. It's like one of my favorite, my first questions on like my coaching welcome packet. I'm like, that's a big question. A question was like 10 pages of writing. Gosh, there's the like standard, like I said, I was born in, you know, my background, I was born in Portugal, grew up in Ethiopia, I identify as a third culture kid. I'm a younger sister and daughter, I'm a friend. I'm a Taurus sun and Sagittarius moon and all these things. But none of those things, like I think they're all like nice labels and easy ways of us defining ourselves, but they don't really tell who we are. And neither does what we do. And I think a lot of people conflate that, right? Like what you do is like your purpose, it's your reason. And I'm like, no, I I think that ultimately, ultimately I am a lover of life, of like being alive and of humanness like humanity but also like humanness Mm. and I think that's why I'm so connected to telling people's stories and like connecting with people on like a deeper level underneath all the masks in those really uncomfortable situations and coming to like a kernel of truth about what it means to be a human being alive Mm. because it's so not this easy thing right like I always think about it all the souls that chose to be human I'm like Jesus like (laughs) it's not an easy thing it's not an easy thing but it's like beautiful thing and we we live in this beautiful planet and have this gift of being alive like what does that mean for me that means like being able to dance and sweat and cry and get angry and feel love and feel sorrow and all of those things that are so uniquely human, you know, that like other animals don't really go through. I think that's ultimately like who I am to explore. I'm here to explore and play with that idea on multiple different levels in multiple different facets on every plane. Oh my gosh. This was the most beautiful answer. Thank you for answering (laughs) that. So honestly, and so I think, yeah, I think we do get stuck in that loop of like, you know, everyone always asks you like, what do you do? And it's like, well, I can be defined by what I do for income or I can be defined as like, I'm a fully expressed embodied human. And that is what I'm here to be. Like, that's, that's, that's it. It can be as simple as that. I'm here to be human. 
because yeah, again, who knows why we chose to come here as a human, but we did. And let's explore where that takes us. And so yeah. I'm curious if for you, like you always, cause I love this perspective. And I, I'm curious if you've always had that kind of perspective, you've always had this like love for life and love for being human, or were there times where it felt like it was too much to express your emotions or kind of like you felt stifled by external factors or internal factors? Yeah, I think both. I think I, I have always felt this within me. I have always expressed myself in a very big way. Yeah, my whole life. And there was definitely a period where I would say in late middle school, early high school, where external factors, whether they be teachers, school policy, whatever, tried to not or had things had happened that I internalized the message as I'm too much or it's not safe for me to be a success, right? Like fear of success was a big, fear of my own greatness was a big thing for me to deal with. And at the same time, I learned that my worth and my value was in how smart I am and what grades I achieve and definitely became a raging perfectionist. <laughs> I'm a like perfectionist in recovery for sure. And perfectionism is just like the death to any sort of creativity, right? Like it's so restrictive and uptight and just like, ugh, right? Like perfectionism is that person that no one wants at the party, but is always there because yeah. you're taught that like, that's the cool person to have at the party. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's both. I've always had it in me. In the past, I would say maybe six years has been an intentional reclamation of this part of me, like a conscious one. Whereas I think for most of my life is very unconsciously just how I live my life, just who I am. And then things happened, you know, pains were had, hearts were broken. And then it's been like a very conscious and intentional, no, no, this is how I want to live my life. And it's fucking hard, like every day to remember to make choices from that place and that are in alignment with like my values. Ultimately. Mm. Yeah, you touched on something really important that I definitely struggle with. And I think probably other people listening do too of actually what we are afraid of is not, I think it's common that people think, oh, I'm afraid of failure. But I think it's more common that what people are actually afraid of is fear of success. And like, what if I actually reach my potential? Like, like that for me, that was a fear that I was working through a couple of years ago and still am of like, okay, like, I, like being scared of your own greatness. And that mm -hmm. is just fascinating that we are taught to like, play small because what would happen if we were all the like biggest most embodied fullest expression of ourselves yep absolutely I I actually have a, a whole course on this called overcoming it's like a master class it's short over about overcoming the fear of greatness fear of success because I don't know if necessarily like more people have it but I think it's so much less talked about because it just immediately kind of sounds like an asshole <laughs> I'm so afraid of like, how amazing, I think it's so funny. And I'm like, but why does it sound like an asshole? Like we're, as humans, we're so used to connecting in like a commiserating way, connecting over like the wallowing and the negative and the like anger and the like hostility, you know, like it's, it's less common for us to connect over like the wonderful, beautiful things. So it can feel John, like, you know, even admitting to like someone that's close to your therapist, it's like, no, I know I have it in me. I'm just really scared of like 
what it means when I reach that, when I achieve my greatness. And as creatives, that just can't be a fear, you know, like it, it is a fear, but it needs to be one that you move past because otherwise at every step of the way, we will self-sabotage no matter what. We will make it so we never achieve that greatness. We will make it so the world never gets to receive our magic. We will make it so that, you know, these things just remain as dreams, pipeline dreams, where, where actually they're very, very accessible to us. Mm, yeah, that's so true that we connect. Like it's more common to connect with people complaining about something mm -hmm. rather than like, yeah, I think I'm like, I think I'm awesome. That would be, people would look at you as vain. Like, I think we can attach so many titles to that. of like, you are um, a narcissist, like all these labels, yeah. which, which has made it not okay to be that in society. And so that, that thought is just like, so fascinating. It's like, why do we do that? Why do, why do we do why that? Why do we do that? It's yeah, no more, no more of that in 2021. Yeah, um, and that's not to say there aren't like valid things. There are some real, some real shit out there that I think people should be complaining about, but it's just like, no, no, no. We can totally. absolutely do better. And then there's some things that it's just like, you know, we can let it go. Like you're allowed to brag about this thing. You did this thing amazingly. Please tell me that you did this amazing thing right? Yeah. Like you don't have to tell me that the weather is gray and depressing for the fifth time in a row. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm super curious how, because you are an actor, you went to school for acting and you also have a coaching business. And I'm curious, like, because I think those um, career paths are so intertwined and like similar. And I think that like, that's why I, I grew up as an actor and now I'm moved into the coaching space. So I think there's a lot of people like in that realm that have been moving over. And so I'm curious what that transition has been like for you and how you see the work of acting kind of similar to the work of coaching. Yeah, acting has been the thing that I've wanted to do since I was three. It's like the big, it's the most visceral expression of my passion for storytelling, I believe. Like it's the most real and raw Ooh, writing too, though, because I also write. And I think that write, writing requires a different kind of vulnerability, but a vulnerability as well. But so acting, telling stories on screen or on stage, let's say, has always been something that I've really, really wanted to do. Whereas coaching, I would say coaching sort of more found me, right? Like I, I've always been like, well, not always, but when I moved to New York, I started working in the wellness space. And I worked at a meditation studio and I've always been the like advice giver of my friends. For all my friends, I very much serve as like the rock and very Torian energy of me. And just like, you know, supporting them, giving them, them advice. Since I was so young, people have been like, oh, you're so wise, like all these things that it, it just like naturally happened. And I think it was literally like one person said, like, oh my God, you should become a coach. And then another person, and then the third person was like my oldest and best friend who's known me forever. She's like, Jess, you should really think about becoming a life coach. And I was like, all right, universe, I'm going to sign up for this certification course just to try it out, you know, like for shits and giggles. And I like signed up for the course and I was like doing it, didn't totally finish. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, okay, well, maybe now I have time. I have time. I always had the time. Now I'm going to make time <clears throat> to finish this course. And then I did, and I launched my practice and right away got really positive feedback. And I think that like the, the, the way they connect for me is mostly it's about just being a channel. It's about just being a vessel and it's about just like being there, right? Like 
with acting or anything like I'm the container I'm there and it's going to flow through me whatever if I'm doing it right right like once I get out of my own way I'm just there and I'm, it's flowing through me with coaching I'm there for my clients to serve as a mirror to hold the container to like channel the messages but I'm not doing it I'm not doing it for them like there's a a translation in both that I like like a translation from like up above and from the earth and then like making it very real and like there's like an offering aspect of it and then there's like the practical skills right like in acting school the thing that I most cultivated was listening and like having an open heart guys I'm gonna tell you a secret 99% of my job as a coach is doing that it's listening and having an open heart mm-hmm. so I'm not gonna tell you the answers that's just not my coaching style style but I will listen and I will guide you to find the answers yourself I think that's the big thing about acting is being present. They're both about just really, really presence ultimately. And I think that's how they connect for me. Totally. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that I loved about acting too, or still love about acting is that you really are that vessel. And like you, when you're right, when you, like you said, when you're doing it right, you're not you anymore. You're like channeling what the universe needs to give you. And I, I think that the same way about creativity and anything that you're doing, whether it's acting, whether it's dancing, Mm -hmm. whether writing, whatever it is, like the more that we can get clear and get, get open enough to be that clear channel. That's when we express like what the universe wants us to express and you holding that container. And so I wonder like, how do you get out of your own way? Cause I think that's the biggest thing that can stop us from being that clear channel of like feeling blocked or feeling like there's something stuck, like energy that needs to be moved through. What are ways that you have found that can really clear that and get out of your own way so that you can tap into that state of presence? Again, movement. I will never not talk about how powerful of a tool movement. Most of the things are free movement, water, breath, right? Like I'm big, big, I love breath work. Love me. Ooh, I have a love hate relationship with breath work. Like I love the results of it, but it's so intense and it's exhausting. Like I'm doing breath work and I'm like, I am fucking tired. Wait, tell us more about that. Cause I wonder (laughs) if you've done breath work in like theater school versus in the wellness space. Cause I know I've done breath work in both. And I think I'm curious, like about both of them yeah I, I've done them in both but I would say they're there has mm, I wouldn't I would say I haven't experienced like a huge difference between both it really depends on the circumstance I think when you're in a room of like actors for example who have all collectively decided that we're going to get really vulnerable around each other and we're going to look really stupid around each other there's a permission that can sometimes be removed if you're going to like a breathwork event with mm-hmm. some people that, you know, don't really have that background. In acting school, everyone is there. Everyone's already like shown their achy breaky heart. Everyone's already kind of raw. So that the breathwork I think can sometimes elicit like bigger responses and mm-hmm. a, bunch, a room with like a bunch of actors. So can sometimes feel a little more intense, I would say than like a breathwork event where some people are trying it because it's a trendy thing to do, let's be honest. And some people are, so you're, so there's like, the container isn't as, let's say safe or familiar. That has been my only experience. And then I did this one event with 
an amazing, amazing voice healer, Jonathan. I feel like I can say Jonathan Sancado. I can plug him. He's the best. And he does these events. I know he doesn't anymore. He used to do these events called breath tripping. And it would just like, it'd be a very intentional, like breath work circle and essential oils were used and tarot, which is my other like really big tool for clearing the channel is tarot. I've been reading tarot since I was 11, but that was like really powerful breath work. And the best part of that is he didn't actually instruct on a way to breathe. Like he was like, you can use whichever breathing method you want. You can use breath of fire. You can do two to one. You can go slow. You can go fast, whatever you need. And that is ultimately how I operate in the world. Whatever you need, right? Like do what you need to do. The dogma, wherever it comes from, like even for creatives, like in order to be successful creatively, you need to have like a morning routine. I don't think that's necessarily true. Some people don't need morning routines. Maybe you need an evening routine, but you know, I'm all about like empowering people to remember that they have permission to decide for themselves, Hmm. no matter what the fuck everyone else is doing or saying. Yeah, that's so important because it can change every day. Like what you need will be different in each moment. And the work, I think the true work of an artist or a creative is about tuning so deeply into yourself, tuning so deeply Mm -hmm. into into your intuition that you can check in with yourself in each and every moment and ask yourself, what do I need? And give that to yourself. So it's not about like following, like I have this weird relationship with building habits and like doing one thing Mm-hmm. every day because I think that you can find interesting things in that when you're like committing to one practice but mm-hmm. for me I need different things every day it's like maybe I need to dance today maybe I need to write today and so like the the practices like getting to know yourself and like being in deep relationship with yourself yeah absolutely and I, I also I struggle with this one I go back and forth well, not back and forth. I think it's more just how we define it for, for ourselves because I think there is something that is so powerful in consistency and habit. And that is the like masculine pole that allows that like feminine chaos to be free, but free with direction, right? Like I would argue that anyone that we consider successful, whatever that may be, like our own individual barometers for success, there are people that like, they're consistent about something or they're consistent about like, even if it is that practice of meeting themselves every day, right? Knowing that, okay, every day I'm gonna meet myself. If that means I'm gonna dance, if that means I'm gonna journal, that means I'm going to cry, whatever it is, but every day I'm gonna do this thing. And so for me, habit is more about that like general, you know, like I'll say, okay, I wanna move my body every day. That can look different every day. Or I wanna meditate every day. For me, meditation is not always a seated practice. Sometimes it's a moving practice. Sometimes I'm laying in bed right after I wake up. Sometimes I'm walking. I just know that when I'm meditating every day, I like show up different, you know, it hits different. Yeah. About like, I like that of instead setting like the specific thing you're going to do kind of the like general umbrella and then Mm -hmm. find those nuances and specific things within that. Tell us about your tarot practice and like what that's, I mean, it's amazing that you've been doing it since you're 11. I feel like that's crazy. Like, where did you learn the tarot? Tell us about what that relationship is for you. Yeah. So I actually started reading with normal playing cards. Like I had come to Cape Verde one summer and my cousins had like a deck of cards and they were like, let's do, I don't know what the fuck we were doing. I don't know. I would say we were playing little witches, but like my cousins here are super religious. So I don't think it could have been that, 
but we were doing some kind of like divinatory practice with the cards. And I just remember it coming so intuitively to me. And I had actually forgotten about this until one of my friends reminded me like a couple of years ago. And then I went back home during the school year and I like started reading all of my friends playing cards and they were all just like so freaked out at how accurate it was. And so I did that when I was pretty young. They picked up my first actual tarot deck maybe when I was like 18. So that would be like eight years ago now. And then, yeah, and then game over. Like I like, I love tarot. I, I use it in like my creative practice. If I'm feeling stuck, pick like three cards, create a story based on the cards, pick cards for characters, for circumstances. You know, if I'm feeling like writer's blocky, oh, it's so great. I'm thinking about like doing a whole course on using tarot for like- You have to, I've never heard of that. That is yeah. such a cool tool. Yeah, it's actually so fun and so helpful. So I'm definitely thinking about doing a course around that, like a group course. I think it'd be awesome. So yeah, it just, it's such a great tool. Tarot is not predictive. That's what I tell any, everyone. Nothing can tell you your fucking future because it's, there are a million possible futures ahead of you. And every choice you make is going to change that. What tarot is, is it's this like amazing reflective visual tool that allows you to sort of connect with your in, in, inner landscape and your intuition so clearly and so visually. And there is an art to tarot, you know, like it's not, I think it's wonderful that people are, more and more people are using tarot and building it into their daily habits and their toolbox and everything. I think with that, it can be, you just got to be careful with how you're learning and who you're choosing to learn from. Because I think the most important thing with tarot is that it, yes, each card has like a historical and collective unconscious and conscious meaning, but what you individually get from it, right? So it's not really about memorizing the book meanings or memorizing what this, how this person uses tarot. It's about building your own relationship to tarot and getting to know yourself better through tarot. So. I love it. I actually don't like reading for myself. Not, mm. not really. I love reading for other people. Love reading for other people. It, like energizes me. But for myself, I'm like, I'd rather just go to a reader. Yeah, that uh, first of all, the, the tool, like using it in your creative practice. And if you're writing a play or whatever you're, whatever you're writing and like, you, you're not sure where to go next, using that as a tool to give you some messages and insight. And I think what you're touching on here and kind of what we touched on before is like, this idea of sovereignty and listening to your intuition, but like, again, not taking the meanings at face value. And because it's like, not so much about what, like you can study and know the background on all that, but like connecting with your sense of truth and your sense of self and like, what, how do you interpret it in your body? And so I know your work also centers on sovereignty. And so I'm curious, like, what does that mean to you? And how does that how does that like bleed into your creative spiritual practice? Yeah, so I am a self-sovereignty and empowerment coach. And honestly, sometimes people don't know what the fuck that means, which is like, fine, that's my own <laughs> to deal with that. But it, for me, ultimately, we all are very different. We all are very unique. We all have different needs and desires and operating systems. Like we're like, you know, almost 8 billion different computers all running on different operating systems. And we're all expected to work in this very, very specific, narrow, limited, dogmatic one. 
And I think that's fucking bullshit. And I think it's a waste of time. And I think it's so disrespectful to what it, to the magic and the celebration of our differences, right? And at the same time, we're all so connected and so similar and we are one. So there are these two very real truths in it, at least the way I view the world. There are these two very real truths. And I think ultimately what we need to be asking ourselves all the time is what do I want? What do I actually want, right? Do I actually want to go to college and then get my master's degree and then get married, have two kids, climb up the corporate ladder, buy a house? Is that what I actually want, right? Because that, let's be honest, that's generally the like, that's the baseline. That, that sort of life is, is, you know, generally the baseline. Yes, we, we understand there are deviations, there are single parents, there are people that start their own businesses or people that never have kids. There are all these deviations. And the degree to which you deviate from that baseline can almost directly correlate to the degree of how much people will push back, right? Like, why don't you want kids, right? Oh, you'll change your mind. It's like, why, you, you're polyamorous? Like, how is that even possible? Like, you don't feel jealous? All these things, right? These little things that I'm like, if the way you're living your life is not hurting anyone else, then live your fucking life and tell the rest to go shove it where the sun don't shine. Because I think it's so random that people feel so opinionated about other people's lives. And it's very different when we're talking about things that do affect people's lives, right? Because there's a lot of shit in this world that's like, no, people are actually getting affected and you, it's not your self-sovereign, right? <laughs> to make that decision because you're harming people. Long story short is, I believe that we, it's all of our right, but it's also all of our responsibilities to be self-sovereign. And I think that being self-sovereign ultimately is an act of reclamation and radical self-responsibility and self-accountability. It's about stepping out of victimhood and into your own power and into knowing that the way you're living your life right now, the way you're living your life right now, Leia, the way I'm living life right now, the way the listeners are living their life right now is a direct reflection of your choices. There are circumstances and situations and policies that are very real in placing you in that, in those situations, absolutely. They're very real, tangible hurdles, let's say, that people must encounter, must overcome. And at the same time, how you live your life right now is a direct reflection of your choices. Is a direct reflection of your choices, right? Like it is all of us, it is in our hands to decide how we're going to live our life and to make the actions accordingly. And that's what I believe. And so for me, that's what I work with people really is to get to the heart of why they aren't doing just that and what is the life they wanna live and begin to build that life, setting boundaries, uncovering limiting beliefs, shadow work, all of that to breed the, the confidence and the self-trust enough to then go out and live life exactly on your terms, knowing that you'll probably get a hell of a lot of pushback because people don't like it when people begin to do things their own way. Hmm. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Like, yeah, thinking about 
victim mindset and like how a lot of us I think are unconsciously stuck in that victim mindset but then grappling with like the very real realities of like you said policies and all that it's like how do we find the balance or the like moving like make like I guess discerning the internal like I'm holding myself back versus the external like I can't I can't be this position because people don't hire people who look like me or, or, or like breaking into certain industries or things like that. And so I'm curious where someone begins to go on that journey of like, how do you reckon with the internal and the external? I think, like you said, a lot of it is about discernment. And I I mean, I'm a big believer in, in multitasking, (laughs) manifesting generator And I think you sort of have to go after it on two fronts Mm -hmm. and you have to realize that yes, you have been victimized. That's not a lie. That is like an objective fact. Yes, you have been victimized. Are you choosing to remain in victimhood? Mm -hmm. And then like do the balance and know that that staying in victimhood is not your fault, right? It's not about casting blame or owning blame. It's about empowering yourself so that you can then take the actions to make sure that people like you are no longer being victimized. It's a circle that feeds into itself, right? Knowing that yes, there is a root cause that has victimized you and to pretend there isn't is ridiculous at this point, right? There's a, there's a root cause that victimized you that's very true. Let's attack that on this front, on the very like policy, organization, community support, outreach, making the calls front and know that you don't have to stay there in that state of victimhood. And there's work that you can do for yourself. And inevitably the work that you do for yourself is work that you do for the collective. I do believe that the work that you do for yourself is work that you do for the collective as within. So without as above, so below as is the micro, as is the macro, right? All of that shit. So I think it's about both and knowing that you can hold both truths to be true, right? They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The, like, when you heal within you, you help the collective. And I think that's something that, I don't know, society hasn't really accepted as a whole of like, you know, your energy, your vibration, it does make a difference. And you know, it's like the whole like pebble drop in the ocean and trusting that it's not selfish to work on yourself. It's not like you are doing this as much as you are for yourself, for your lineage, but also for everyone around you. And like in liberating yourself, you're giving people permission to liberate themselves. And if we all took that collective responsibility, how different would the world look? (laughs) Like it would, we would have, we would be having a totally different conversation. And so absolutely for people to remember that, like, I think there's like those slogans, like, self-care isn't selfish but it's true like this kind of healing embodiment work it's it is for the collective it is for everyone absolutely i mean it's the same way in thinking about art and creativity right what are the programs that get defunded first it's so easy for people to write it off as frivolous right and i'm like there is nothing there's nothing about art that is frivolous like it is a direct reflection of humanity state of being. It is the most vulnerable, the most honest reflection of what is actually going on, right? 
there's nothing about art that like is frivolous or that's disposable, shall we say. Mm, yeah, I love that connection because I think some people, you know, if they feel a call to create, sometimes it's like, well, who would want to hear my voice? Who would want to hear my ideas? But again, like we were saying, the more that we become that clear channel, then it's like you are creating for the collective. Someone is going to see, hear, listen to your art and feel some resonant truth in their being and like unlock something for them. And so I think coming it from that perspective can maybe unblock some people if they're feeling like, well, you know, who am I to, to put this out there? Who am I to do this? And so I'm curious for you, like, are there, what are you working on right now? What creative projects are lighting you up and how do you follow that divine path or spark of inspiration? So I'm actually, I'm doing a lot of like business stuff, a lot of creation for my business at the, at the moment, a lot of like new program ideas and all that sort of stuff. I am also a big part of why I came to this island is to start writing my first feature script. So that's something I'm going to be working on. Yeah. Over the next 30 days that I actually will be shooting this year. So I'm very excited about that. I'm going to shoot it in Cape Verde. Actually, I'm going to shoot it here in Cape Verde and I'm very excited about it. And it's going to be a story that centers around home going and homecoming and ancestry. And yeah, I'm very excited. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. I'm like, I want to come out <laughs> I can watch it. That's amazing. I'm curious, yeah. what are some creative resources that are inspiring you lately? Are there, you know, certain tools or teachers that you reach for? Are there books or podcasts that you listen to that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, tarot. Like I said, always, always tarot. Do you have a certain tarot deck that you recommend? Oh, I have so many. Which one? Where I don't actually know the name of my new one. <laughs> which is so funny. I, for clients, like when client readings, I use Mystic Mondays a lot. I love the Mystic Mondays deck. I think for anyone starting the traditional writer weight is amazing. Yeah. And then I have a, an Afro goddess deck, which is just like amazing. So if anyone's looking for a deck with more diversity, it's a beautiful one. What? Yeah. So tarot, I think everyone should read Big Magic. I think Big Magic is amazing if you're a creative and the creative habit, Twyla Tharp, I think that's great because she really talks about creativity as a habit. And it's not this like spark of inspiration. It's something that you yourself have to cultivate. There's like an active co-creation in it. There's another like big one that's pretty good. That is amazing. Oh, of course, the artist's way, Julia Cameron. Hands down. I think any creative should do the artist's way. I think it's, it's absolutely magical. Mm, yes, I love that. Where can people find you if they're interested in your coaching, in your creative work, in your tarot? Where can they Yeah, find you? I do a lot of things. I wear a lot of hats, guys. Passionate creatives do, so you're not alone. Absolutely. My website, www.jessicaswadish, S-O-A-R-E-S, coaching.com. It's pretty much where you can find everything about me, links to my tarot bookings, coaching services. I'm amazing at what I do. I can own that. So Believe if you need it. some support, feel free to reach out. I also have a blog, www.uneditedvoices.com, which I love. I love writing for. I wrote a piece this week on audacity and how to make audaciousness your friend. And on Instagram, I'm at the Jessica Swadish. Yeah, but all of my handles are at all of the websites. So 
come find me, slide into my DMs. I'm very, very, I love to talk clearly. <laughs> so. Okay, cool. Accessible. Yeah, I'll, I'll put all that information in the show notes and I just have to plug your newsletter because your newsletter is amazing. <laughs> I love getting your newsletter. It's packed with so much like, it's just so thoughtful and intentional, but packed with like real lessons and real things that I can, that you can like, it's essentially free coaching in a newsletter and you can take those lessons and, and apply it to your daily life. And so I just want to honor you and acknowledge you because those have been so valuable and helpful. So definitely sign up for her newsletter. If oh, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much, Jessica. You're amazing. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.